0: Tired of ads crashing your comedy podcast party? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts, included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or visit amazon.com slash comedy ad free. That's amazon.com slash comedy ad free. And catch up on the latest episodes without the ads.
1: The following podcast is a Dear Media production.
0: And just like that, your favorite besties and tastemakers, Benito Skinner and Mary Beth Barone are back. Did you miss us? You know they did. Join us every Wednesday on your way to Sephora to hear our witty, ridiculous and irreverent musings on life, the universe, existence and of course what we currently ride for. You're going to absolutely
1: live slash die for this podcast. You might even, dare we say, ride Ride for for it. it.
0: Yo, 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 and welcome back to Creeps and Crimes
1: Podcast. I'm Taylor. And I'm Morgan. Happy Thursday. This is Ep 142. 142. Ah, uh, ah, uh, ah. Uh. We are so close to Taylor going Mrs. Worldwide. Yes. Jet setter. When you're
0: listening to this, I'm on my flight. How long is it? It is forever long. Oh, yeah. We have nice seats. Yes. We bought the cheaper ones, right? But we're like, I think we got like the shittiest seats when we bought it. But because we like only fly Delta, we have like so many points and trips with them. So we were always request the upgrade, and we're already up to comfort plus. Like, nice, great seats. I'm like, fuck Good yeah! Shit. What Speaking, where are your layovers? New York. Speaking of New York, let's talk about what's going on in New yeah. York. Yeah.
1: Oh my gosh. Oh my
0: god. Are you guys okay? Are you? It looks apocalyptic. No, it looks like a completely different world from what we live in. Mars. Like it doesn't. Even, you wouldn't even think that we're on the same planet. Planet right now. That that is. I'm and so sorry. And that's what New York
1: looks like. What is Canada? Are you guys okay in Canada? I haven't Canada? seen
0: pictures from Canada. I don't even, even want to know what like, that looks like. I think they're like
1: bunkered down from the fires. Yeah. Because they're not contained.
0: Are they still like not getting any control over them? As of
1: what I saw today, yes. Really? Yeah. I saw that there was like 300 or so fires and like 200 out of them were not contained.
0: Wow. Yeah.
1: And like the air quality, like it's just like so much deja vu of like, stay Mm -hmm. indoors, mask up, Yep. throwback. Yeah. Like, and this is scary. This is like, I forget what the particle is, but smoke contains, it's like P2M or Mm -hmm. something and is extremely dangerous, especially if you have health conditions. Even if you don't, it's still very dangerous. And especially when you're
0: already in a big city. It can cause
1: long lasting
0: health conditions. So you guys make sure that you're... Being very aware of exactly what is going on. I was watching a TikTok last night of someone checking an air purifier in their home and that it was literally blinking red and they had to like turn it all the way up Go in like they're selling out of air purifiers because yeah. everyone's buying them. Obviously. What's so sad
1: is that mine here in Knoxville is blinking red, but that's because I haven't changed it. Anymore. Mine's
0: also blinking red because I haven't changed it.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I'm sure theirs was brand new. Yeah. No, I I mean it's fucking
0: scary. But the one that one that they had in their TikTok was like really cool. I want it. Was it round? It was like a. It looks like a diaper throwaway box that looks like R two D two. You know what I'm talking about? Yes. It looks I think like. Is that. it
1: called like Lin- Linux or something? I have no it idea. Starts with an
0: L. I think Lenova. It has like a, like a fan on the top. It looks like yeah. <laughs> and it was like intense. Like she turned that bitch up, and it mm-hmm. was like.
1: Well, I I learned something though. Like through all of this, like everyone's like, well, do I shut the AC off or do I leave it on? Well, HVAC doesn't suck in outdoor air. Where
0: the fuck does it get? I have
1: no idea. So they recommend turning your air conditioning on. Hold the fuck up. That's what I'm saying, because look outside. That thing is sucking that fan in or is blowing it out. Then what does a fan do?
0: What does a fan do? I have no idea. Well, then where's the air that's being pumped in coming from?
1: I have no idea unless it's just recirculating in the house.
0: That's concerning.
1: Yeah. I mean, sure, it's going through a filter, maybe. I don't
0: know. Okay, but my filters are shit.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I just saw that on a, a comment. They were like, "Do I, What do I do? Do I turn them on?" And like, what's so scary too is that they literally. There's so many apartments there that are like two by fours. You know how many homeless people oh are on the streets God, of yeah. New York and City? Oh my just that in. And all then night it's long. coming down to the next, probably one of the top five populated areas, DC. It's literally coming
0: down the coast into DC. Yeah, terrifying. Yeah, thing. I was looking at the thing you sent me last night. So yeah, I'm <laughs> going through JFK. <laughs> Maybe. I don't know. Apparently, they said that flights are, they've not been disrupted yet. No, they were. At JFK, though. Oh. At Longuardia and the other one, they were. Yeah, I saw they shut it
1: all down for just the day but yesterday.
0: But apparently, JFK's is not, and I haven't even got a, a notice about it yet, so. Well, you still have like, a week out. So yeah, I'm okay. like, exactly a week out. So hopefully then where to straight there straight there from Atlanta to JFK. I'm there for like dinner. Wake up in Roma, pop a train to flow flow. And then I'm going to go explore the coast. I'm going to run a car there. Nice. So I'm going to be frolicking and I think it's thunderstorming the whole day I'm there. No. The whole like. First front of the week, which I did not plan outfits for that. So I need to get back up outfits right the fuck now.
1: No, because I showed up thinking it was going to be 80
0: degrees. It was 40. No, it's freezing. I froze my ass off last time I went.
1: I literally had no clothes on. Yeah. Naked. Freezing Freezing your dick off. Actually did shower naked. Yeah. Just to do it. (laughs) <laughs> like, outside yeah,
0: I would do it too <laughs> or we have an outdoor shower at one of our places too and I'm really excited for it I love an outdoor shower
1: mm-hmm.
0: I want an outdoor shower in my home me too mm-hmm. just like in the back like put put a wall around it obviously like yeah. forever, no big deal but little like fence around it I want it to be open on the top mm-hmm. if there's a two-story house beside me I'm gonna have to put like something over it
1: Maybe. But, like,
0: I'm just like, don't be a fucking weirdo. (laughs) Let do just fucking shower right now. Oh, my God. Big old retaining wall. Yeah, big old fucking retaining wall. But, yeah, guys, we two weeks away from my birthday. 144 will be my birthday. Yep. What do you want me to cover for you? Don't know. Couldn't tell you. You want to do a spooky one? Would you guys like Reddit stories? You guys keep requesting Reddit stories. Oh,
1: we could do a Reddit story episode for
0: your birthday. Because I just, like, don't want to... Be covering something sad on my yeah. birthday. I'm,
1: I mean, it's our podcast. We can we do can whatever, whatever we, want. we want. It's our fucking podcast. You
0: want to do Reddit stories? We can start getting them together Actually, now. Actually, fuck that. We're not doing anything. We're t- you're getting a piping hot goss. We're talking you're for an hour and twenty minutes. And That's what the fuck you're getting for my birthday. I don't know, guys. We'll we'll shop it. We'll shop it. But we do have to be recording it in two days. You know, I'm hyping this shit up right now. Yeah, Morgan's like, no notes.
1: I'm like, what? Say less. Let's do
0: it. Anyway, guys, we have a great episode today. Oh, my God. This episode, Morgan's case is so Fucking funny. And Taylor's is really good, but you're going to be so mad. You're going to be pissed at me. But it was it's, it's so worth it. it. Morgan just heard the outcome of it all. And it's pretty fucking it's crazy. It's worth it. Was it worth it? Yeah, it was a crazy case. Okay, don't be, I know you're going to be pissed at me. Like, don't be a bitch and like, go skip forward and not listen to me. Like, trust me, please. Yeah,
1: my segment today is giving Birds Aren't Real vibes,
0: so. Morgan's segment today is giving Taylor is absolutely fucking not okay in the head <laughs> literally cackling like a psychopath <laughs> I can't Anyways, wait to hear it actually. I know I'm really excited to edit it because I know it's gonna be funny as fuck I'm gonna oh. laugh the whole time if you're
1: driving throw that shit on cruise control if you got a glass pour that shit up and let's get a creepy
0: creepy Okay, Morgan, what do you have for us today? Oh, I guess you actually don't know what I'm covering today. I have literally no idea. Oh,
1: surprise. It's been a long time.
0: I know, I usually always tell you. Okay, let me turn it yeah. to you. Get comfy. In season 1, we never ever told. told each other ever. Like and then even into well into season 2, we still were like weird about it. Like, I, you know, I don't want to tell you but I'll tell you that right. it's an alien abduction. Yeah. You know, and, and then, then
1: season three, we we're like, OK, so today I'm actually co- what are you covering tomorrow? <laughs> yeah. What are, what are
0: you covering tomorrow? I need to know. Like it my matters to either of us. Why do we ask that? Well, we because we kind of do need to know sometimes like if, if it's, it's too heavy, th- yeah. if it's too heavy. But like the reason we started asking was because of that and now we're just like, what are you covering? Yeah. Any okay. ideas? so
1: today I'm going to be talking about the one notorious giant leap for mankind. Oh. Uh. That's right. The moon landing of 1969. (laughs) What the fuck? I was not expecting this. I knew you were. I'm really excited. Um, So I'm going to be discussing what that time was like in the space race, what got us there, what we learned, etc. And then, of course, at the end, we are going to be discussing all things
0: hoax. Oh, perf.
1: On May 25th, 1961, President John F. Kennedy made a very dramatic announcement for the goal of sending an American to the moon before the end of the decade. To the moon. The United States was just recovering from losing in the OG space race when the Soviet Union had sent their cosmonaut Yuri Gagarin into space not even a month prior to JF Kennedy's address in April of 1961. That mission put Yuri and the Soviets on the map for the first human to be in outer space. It was a hard defeat. The space race was a close one because the United States sent Alan Shepard into space just 33 days after Yuri. Like they were like neck in neck. Like they were like, I don't care if it's ready or not. You're going. You're going. Get in. We have to beat the Americans.
0: Immediately.
1: And we're like, Well, 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 we we do have to run these couple tests. We're not ready. (laughs) Normally, we wouldn't. But right now, we're going to play this one safe. Yeah. So all um, eyes are on us. A mission that took decades of preparation for the space race was lost. And not only that, Alan's mission only included a short suborbital flight, while Yuri had fully orbited once around the Earth before returning back, which was another slap in the face for the U.S. in the space race. So, like, yeah, we are a month behind. But... The Soviet put one up there. They did a whole lap around. around. They did a a little Little wrap wrap around. 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 And the United States went up there. They said a little half wrap around. Half. And they're like, come back down quickly. (laughs) We don't know what that ship's going to make it. Okay, get your ass back. So JFK, consulting with Vice President Johnson, NASA administrator at the time, James Webb, and others, decided that, yes, while landing on the moon would be extremely difficult. And yes, we would face a lot of technological challenges, we decided that this is something that we could absolutely achieve within 10 years and it was an area of space exploration that we could beat out the rest of the world in so what all was going on in 1961 when we launched yet another space race this time involving the moon it was the middle of the cold war we had the failed coup attempt to overthrow fidel castro in cuba with the bay of pigs invasion the construction of the berlin wall had started the dominican dictator rafael trujillo was assassinated and of course, the Soviets beat us for the space race. Had, so putting Yuri, the first human. Show. So right. it was a literal shit show for the United States. Like, yeah, they were because they were involved in all of that. Like, right. not like negatively,
0: but like it, there we had a hand in things and things were just not going well, like, like worldwide the state
1: of the world was really shitty. So we were trying to get
0: the fuck out of this planet and we were trying to reach the moon. <laughs> and
1: while reaching the moon with our only other accomplishment being the short partial orbit around Earth. It only took us eight years from the time of Kennedy's public announcement to do so. Eight years to create advancements in space, technology, energy, to get two of our pilots to land on the rocky sphere that orbits our planet. Something so unimaginable that we have never really done it again since this time. This giant leap for mankind was the Apollo mission. Apollo. It's Apollo. Apollo. Apollo, Apollo. Apollo. On July 16, 1969, Apollo 11 was launched from Cape Kennedy, a.k.a. the Kennedy Space Center on Merritt Island, Florida. On board was Commander Neil Armstrong, Command Module Pilot Michael Collins, and Lunar Module Pilot Edwin, or Buzz Aldrin. At 9.32 Eastern Time in the morning, Apollo 11 was projected off the Earth's ground by a Saturn V rocket. The Apollo spacecraft had three parts. The first being a command module, or the CM, that had a cabin for the three astronauts, and the CM was going to be the only part that would return back to Earth the service module or the sm which supported the command module with the propulsion the power oxygen water etc and a lunar module the lm that had two stages a descent stage for landing on the moon and then the ascent stage to place the astronauts back into lunar orbit and connect with the other rest of the ship
0: that, that's a lot of shit to just throw together in 9 in, years in like not even enough we can't eight even get a years. fucking iphone that fast like 8 years whoa The launch was broadcasted in
1: 33 countries with an estimated 25 million viewers in the United States alone, Hmm. with millions more spread across the world tuning in via radio stations. On top of those 25 million viewers, there was an estimated extra 1 million who had lined the highways and the beaches just to get an in-person view of the launch. Within 12 minutes, Apollo 11 had launched and was orbiting Earth. It orbited one and a half times when the second ignition went off, shooting the craft into a trajectory towards the moon. Now, I'm no astrophysicist. I tried to break this down yeah, the absolute best I could. I don't know shit about orbits. I don't know shit about trajectory, propulsion. <laughs> don't fucking cover my throat right now if I get something wrong.
0: I'm really excited to hear but this. But
1: I have broken this down from NASA's website. Okay? okay. So we're all So clear. everyone hold the fuck on. Hold the fuck on. So Apollo goes up. It orbits one and a half times and then another ignition goes off and it shoots the spacecraft into this trajectory that would put them towards the moon. 30 minutes after that, in order to avoid colliding with the moon, because at this point they're headed directly fucking at to it. To the moon. There was a slingshot effect that thrusted them to go around the moon and back into an orbit that went around the sun. What? How the So f- they went into, they were in Earth's. Earth's orbit, shot towards the moon, then ended up in a sun orbit. Once they were behind the moon on the sun orbit, they then fired off another propulsion that put them into the lunar orbit.
0: Okay, imagine someone talking to you like this is what we're gonna do this is what's gonna happen you're, you're gonna going. be in this aircraft that we essentially have no fucking control over once you're out there and no one's ever done this before so but we're gonna get it done on our first try <laughs> there's a million And you guys buttons. are gonna land and do it there's right. a million buttons and you know how we're not supposed to like be near the sun at all we're gonna make you do an orbit around it
1: yeah i don't think they did go like you know <laughs> like fully right beside
0: it. the sun but like still. no they're just
1: placed in like their gravitational orbit, yeah i think yeah, them, but put them behind the movie. No, I imagine
0: hearing that. I would have been like, Yeah, absolutely not. <laughs> I would be like, Are you high as fuck right now? Yeah. Where where who are you even talking to? What drugs did you take before right. you sat me down in this and c- confidential meeting? And who's the test dummy? Cuz I know for sure it's not
1: me. I know for positive I'm not doing it. It's fucking crazy. Okay, so they then orbited the moon 30 times, and they passed by their selected landing spot each time. This selected landing spot was pre-picked prior to the launch. Mm-hmm. And they were set to descend and land on what they called the Sea of Tranquility. Mm. This site was picked out prior because of it being very smooth and flat because the moon's got craters
0: all over it. Right.
1: AKA, they shouldn't have too much trouble landing. Four days since takeoff, July 20th, 1969, they began their descent towards the moon. Armstrong and Aldrin left Collins alone on what they called the Columbia, part of the craft, and they entered into the Eagle, which is back in the whenever I said there's three components, mm-hmm. this the Eagle is the lunar part. That right. descends and comes back. They did a routine inspection in which Armstrong was said over the radio, the Eagle had wings. Has <laughs> wings. Had wings. I fucking know. And they blasted off towards the surface of the moon. But the landmarks that they were supposed to have sight on, like they could physically see, they described them as being too long, which means that the eagle was traveling way too fucking
0: fast. Oh, no. Like
1: it was coming in hot into the moon and they were about to miss their landing site. This is when it gets just unbelievable, guys. Like, wow, like this is just the craziest story ever. Inside the eagle, alarms were blaring. (laughs) No, (laughs) Mission Control reached out, informing them that this is probably just a gravitational anomaly and that it was safe to continue your descent. The alarms are going off. It was alarm 1201 and 1202, which are executive overflows. And this basically means that like the computer that's supposed to land them, the guidance computer... Mm couldn't compute its task in real time because the gravitational anomalies got the time all fucked up. Yeah. Further investigation then showed that the cause was diagnosed as the rendezvous radar switch was in the wrong position, which would fuck up all the processing data, not a gravitational anomaly. But in real time, they're like, it's a gravitational anomaly. We're good. Take controls. And they're getting closer. And this is when Armstrong looked outside. He saw that the computer's landing target was in a boulder area just north and east of a 300-foot in diameter crater. (gasps) That's where they're about to land. No, bitch. So Armstrong, ordered from Mission Control, manually took over all the controls. He was piloting this bitch manual. (laughs) No. Aldrin continued to map out quickly, using mathematics and trajectory (laughs) and propulsion in his head the best landing point, <laughs> shouting directions to Neil Armstrong, who was piloting this spaceship, piloting a fucking fastest fuck ship crashing onto the moon. Okay. Right. They were approaching quickly. They were only 107 <laughs> feet above the surface when they realized that their propellant supply was low. Oh, great. And they needed to land right this fucking right moment fucking or else they would have to go into the reserves and the reserves is for them to get off the moon. <sighs> So Armstrong finds this clear patch and he starts shifting the ship towards it. Right. He's driving this bitch. He's driving the bus. He's docking the Queen fucking Mary. He's dr-
0: but Tokyo drifting that motherfucker.
1: Yeah. But as he got closer, he realized that this landing site also had a crater in it. So he switches gears again, puts it in reverse. Pitch, <laughs> so just what a reverse just barely skidding across this crater at this point. The visibility was low. At this point, they're picking up moon dust, lunar dust, it's called, making it really hard to see. They were a hundred feet from the surface with 90 seconds of propellant remaining. Aldrin got notification, so like a light went off in their little ship or whatever, that one of the probes that like hangs from the landing gear, so I, I'm assuming this is probably just like a string with a little center, you yeah. know, was touching the surface. And when they got that light, the commander, Neil Armstrong, was supposed to immediately shut the engine down because the pressure could cause that exhaust to bounce off the moon and explode the eagle.
0: 100%.
1: But Neil Armstrong forgot. Okay. To okay,
0: in my buddy's favor, the one thing to not explode us, bro, had to take control, and he and got motherfucker beside him doing math and physics out loud, screaming at him, <laughs> "Mission control, twenty nine <laughs> seconds to the left, twenty nine degrees to the right." Morgan, do you understand the the fight we would get in if it this was me and you? Yeah. No, the way that we would deck each other and just die. Right. <laughs>
1: I know. Screen at the top. I of I would been like lungs. literally just just let it crash. <laughs> I'm like I'm it. so done. But how did bro? I, mean, I get that he so so okay. he forgets. But then like like he was supposed to do it immediately. Like when that light came on, engines off. But Press he the forgot. button. He yeah. was he did do it. He was three seconds delayed. But it was like a big deal. Okay, three seconds. And it damaged some things. Oh fuck it. But nonetheless, three seconds later, he remembered and. They were landed just like that. They were able to sustain all the fuel that was put away for liftoff, 216 pounds worth. And then Mission Control heard from Armstrong, Houston, Tranquility Base here. The Eagle has landed. And Mission Control replies back. Actually, they, whoever it was, they said his name. I just didn't write it down. Mispronounced Tranquility because they were like freaking out. Me. He's like, (laughs) Roger. (laughs) Tuan. Twan tranquility we copy you on the ground we got a bunch of guys about to turn blue we're breathing again thanks a lot
0: fucking (laughs) messing up the transcript that will be in history forever imagine if someone took our one of our 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 episodes tranquility (laughs) took one of our stutters and put it in fucking history books bitch
1: Yeah, that's what happened. That is literally what happened. Oh, this is so chaotic. No, it really is, dude. It just makes it so much more like unbelievable. (laughs) I didn't know all this.
0: I didn't know it was a psychotic breakdown just waiting to happen. Yeah, I would mentally never be able to recover from this. (laughs) No, I wouldn't get off. I'd be like, no, we're going back up. This is
1: good enough. Yeah. So that well, they have to right. Like that's their whole mission. So the next couple hours, Armstrong and Aldrin had lots to do. They had checklists, they had run-throughs, they had to count the food packets, they had to count their tools, they had to depressurize the entire station, and of course, they had to set up their live broadcasting of them
0: on the moon. Not them literally being like, let's get this on (laughs) camera. Stop. (laughs) Get it for the vlog. Pause. Put this on the vlog. Right fucking now. And then also they had to change their fucking pants because they're not okay. And this part is really sweet. I wanted to add this in. About two and a half
1: hours in, Aldrin had radioed down. He said, quote, this is the LM pilot. I'd like to take this opportunity to ask every person listening in, whoever and wherever they may be, to pause for a moment and contemplate the events of the past few hours and to give thanks in his or her own way end quote. He then proceeded to take communion privately, not oh. on air. And his communion kit was prepared for him by the pastor of his church, Dean Ward- Woodruff of Webster Presbyterian Church. That's really sweet. And further down, I read that this actually was because NASA was dealing with a lawsuit from some sort of like, not satanic, some sort of atheist group that Didn't need them broadcasting religious like aspect. They did a prayer over broadcast one time. Mm. And this group was like, no, they were in the middle of a lawsuit. So he was like, give thanks to whoever you
0: believe in and then ended his air and then he took communion that his pastor gave him. Yeah, but like you don't have to join in on their prayer. Like let, if they right. want to say a prayer, they're the ones going into the fiery ball of nothing. Right. I would be I would be praying the whole I'd time. I would be praying. Are you joking? I would not be doing math. I'd be praying. <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh my god, I'd be taking God, communion what's right the equation? <laughs> what direction,
0: God please? God, please, please, please tell me. Houston, please. please God, talk to God. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it,
1: it was until 6 hours and 39 minutes later that the first person would exit the craft and be standing on the moon. Apollo 11 was equipped with what they called a slow scan television. And by doing basically a broadcast of a broadcast, over 650 million people around the world were able to tune in to what was going on on the moon. The signal was received in the United States, but it was received better in Australia. So Mm. basically, Australia was broadcasting it for the world.
0: Not Australia getting to take that.
1: Yeah. They're like, oh, slave it. Oh, no problem. We'll get it set up. (laughs) Armstrong then emerges from the eagle, broadcast in hand, and he says, We all know this. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. He then gathered some soil samples, tucked the bag back into his pocket, and with his little camera, he did a full panoramic sweep of the moon. Let me get this on camera quick, I'll just hold on. He then sets the camera up on a tripod. (laughs) <laughs> he has his ring light on the moon. He has the ring light, the Alex Earl one. He got the ring light off Amazon Prime, <laughs> sets it up on the moon, and then Aldrin emerges from the ship and joins him on the surface. Aldrin, and- get out here and help me set up this fucking tripod. <laughs> he was probably still doing his checklist and taking his communion. Yeah. No? Like, for real. Like, he was probably, like, doing some sort of mass. But, Morgan,
0: there. if the- okay, again, if this is me and you up on the moon, <laughs> you know we're, like, fighting over who's getting the first step. <laughs> We like, we do it together. We come wrestling out of the thing, <laughs> rolling down. We like, rip our suits out. They're like, okay,
1: that's enough. Guys. Like, you guys are actually, you have no oxygen in your suits now. You, you just rip ripped them down out with your nails that we
0: told you not to have. We told you not to And get we get told your you to take the
1: jewelry off. Yeah,
0: take the jewelry off. And, and you kept Your Ana Luisa is ripping <laughs> the fucking side of this suit right now. <laughs> and then we're both trying to set up the camera. I'm like, the lighting's not good. That's not my good side. <laughs> <laughs>
1: fight over who gets to put the, pla- the and flag then, like, in
0: you would have to say that's one small step for man and i would say <laughs> one, one, one giant giant leap, leap for mankind <laughs> <And> then- podcast <laughs> <laughs> thanks for watching creeps and crimes podcast follow us on instagram at creeps and crimes on the moon podcast I also i want to know like how long he thought about exactly what he was going to say yeah i know Can you imagine like the pressure of, because you know, my holy fuck would be like my first thing that came out of my mouth. Yeah, I would be like, leave us a (laughs) rate review. Go subscribe to our Patreon for this vlog. <laughs> Just launch off the We're cutting off the broadcast now.
1: Aldrin said that it was a, quote, magnificent desolation. They then walked back. They planted the lunar flag assembly, which was the United States flag, and they snapped a picture. Of all things, the guys said that they wanted this, the flag planting, to go the smoothest. Mm-hmm. Obviously, it did compared to the rest of their journey. I mean,
0: yeah. What do we have it to compare with? Right. Like,
1: I'd <laughs> hope planting that in the moon but it's kind of fucked up, actually. I'll tell you in a second. Oh, yeah. So they are now on the moon. They have cameras facing them. President Nixon speaks to them through telephone radio transmission into their suits. (laughs) This is what he says. Hello, Neil and Buzz. I'm talking to you by telephone from the Oval Room at the White House. And this certainly has to be the most historic telephone call ever made from the White House. I just can't tell you how proud we all are of what you have done. For every American, this has to be the proudest day of our lives. And for people all over the world, I am sure that they too join with Americans in recognizing what an immense feat this is. Because of what you have done, the heavens have become a part of man's world. And as you talk to us from the sea of tranquility, it inspires us to redouble our efforts to bring peace and tranquility to earth. For one priceless moment in the whole history of man, all the people on this earth are truly one one in their pride in what you have done and one in our prayers that you will return safely to earth. And Armstrong replied, thank you, Mr. President. It's a great honor and privilege for us to be here representing not only the United States, but men of peace of all nations and with interest and a curiosity and men with a vision for the future. It's an honor for us to be able to participate here today. Not only that, but previous President Kennedy's speech was flashed on the screen with the words written below it, task accomplished, July 1969, honoring his mission, his dream, his promise, because he was not able to see it be completed because he was assassinated six years prior. And they still honored him. That's, That's like kind really of nice. Yeah. Like in live moment, they're like, yeah. put his speech up. They then spent about 21 and a half hours, almost a full day on the moon, completing tasks that they were assigned in collecting a lot of rock. They collected like over 800 pounds of rock. We don't
0: have the fuel for that. Clearly, we're not going to be able to bring this back. We're overloaded. (laughs) Like, we don't need the 800 pounds of rock. (laughs) (laughs) Just load up the ship with rocks. Like, what else are we going to have to get rid of to be able to make space for this? That's like me packing my fucking bag in the airport when they weigh in and tell me it's too much.
1: Right, exactly. But then it was time to go home. With this mission being a success, America had won this space race. Many knew that this was the hard part. Even the presidential speechwriter had prepared an in event of moon disaster announcement for Nixon in case these men were stranded or crashed or whatever. They were unable to get off. Aldrin entered the Eagle first, and in doing so, he accidentally damaged the circuit breaker that would literally fire up the main engine for liftoff.
0: That's why he didn't go first on the moon. That's just so we're all clear.
1: (laughs) That's why. But no worries. Because he happened to have a Duro felt tip pen, not sponsored, <laughs> that he put the tip in the switch and it fit perfectly and the switch was activated. If Who is their marketing director? <laughs> Pick this up right the fuck now. Literally. For everything. Right. Crazy. Prepare like, to be like, sick of me. Hold on. Remember all that math I did? I got that pen <laughs> right. and that's going to fit perfectly in this switch. <laughs> My creepy so, French pen. <laughs> I know I ruined the entire ignition takeoff system, but
0: this- This cruise and crunch (laughs) pen will fix it. (laughs) It's got its cruise and it's felt tip. So we got it. Don't worry. Yeah, felt tip fixes everything. I stole it from the waiter at the restaurant. Yeah, They
1: then launched up into orbit and they reconnected with Collins, who was aboard Columbia. On the descent back into Earth, Apollo 11 had honestly zero to none issues. Just a couple of minor things. Probably. Who are we kidding? Probably some alarms. Probably some. The rocks weighing them down. But all three astronauts returned and splashed down into the Pacific Ocean, 13 miles from where the recovery ship was stationed. It actually it didn't go smoothly because the ship landed upside down in the ocean. Wow. But the astronauts were able to activate the floaty things and it flipped back over. Okay, good job. The three were then retrieved from the Navy and went on board the USS Hornet because of fear of pathogens from the moon, because we knew nothing about the moon. Right. The three were actually scrubbed down with sodium hypochlorite (laughs) and the ship was wiped down with povidon iodine. And they were then kept in a mobile quarantine facility for 21 days. Anyway, so this practice, this quarantine practice would actually continue for the next two Apollo missions, Apollo 12 and 14, before the moon was proven to be have no life And the quarantine process was dropped. So we actually can't get sick from the moon. Good
0: to know. Good to know.
1: Parades, conferences, seminars were held all in the crew's honor. They were the first humans to lay a foot on the moon. But what we didn't know was that they were going to be one of the only. Since 1969, only 10 more people have walked on the moon. All American men and all a part of the Apollo mission, 12 and 14. The last person to walk on the moon was in December of 1972. His name was Gene Cernan. I believe that's how you pronounce it. But the question we all want to know, was the 1969 landing just a hoax? A lot of people think so. And it's actually one of the largest, most well-known conspiracy theories. So let's talk about it. Let's get into it. Number one, if you haven't watched the video, literally a quick little Google search will pull that video up. The biggest red flag is the flag. Is the the flag. flag planted. Oh, wait. I forgot to tell you about the flag. Oh, Sorry, yeah. guys. Tell I'm me about a little the the flag. Aldrin said that whenever they were coming back up, the dust. No. I don't want to laugh. It's not funny. I do.
0: He already <laughs> fucked up the, the- whole, the, whole ship. <laughs> the
1: lunar dust from the ship knocked the flag down.
0: <laughs> it's
1: not funny. Y'all had one <laughs> fucking job now. We got to send a whole other crew. He said we, we were ascending and we just watched as the flag fell down. There was nothing we could do.
0: <laughs> me and you have like, fuck it. fuck it. Don't tell We. I would be like, don't, don't tell anyone. anyone. This is between you and me. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that is so fucked. They're driving
1: off and they're like, we can't do anything about it. Yeah. They're like, fuck the flag. I would have been so sad, actually. I wonder, did they say anything back? To- I wonder what. Houston, we have a problem. Send I w- us back. I actually wonder how long it took them to come out about that.
0: Oh, like, I, w- I wonder
1: if it was immediately or if they were like, let's call that one off. Bitch, but that would have to our grave. The, they probably didn't know until the next Apollo went up. They're like, where's the flag? <laughs> it's literally in orbit around the sun. <laughs> it's, it's,
0: just it's just massive it's, American flag <laughs> going around the sun <laughs> all day long. And we're like, we told you we fucking own the moon, bitch. Oh, shit. Okay. You have to dodge this fucking flagpole
1: so, if you're landing on the so moon again. This flag, this fucking flag is the biggest red flag because it's waving. Space is a vacuum. There is no wind. Yet when the Aldrin sucked that flag in, it's sitting there. It's got the perfect waves. It's flowing like they got 10 giant box fans <laughs> on it. They do. like. You With know, the ring like, lights. The flag would have just been so still. Like yeah. there is nothing there to move it. They backed this up by saying they backed up the wave or
0: the waving issue yeah,
1: issue by saying that when he put the pole in, he twisted it a little to get it in there. Me and you dramatic, <laughs> you know, and that twist was waving the flag. But you can clearly see in the video. He's no more fucking here. And the flag is really flowing. Bro's like kicking the fuck out of it. Yeah. And number two, of course, why no one believes it is because it was broadcasted. Right. We don't even have signal all over the United States and it's 2023. If we're at a national park and we need to call 911, we can't.
0: Well, now you have well, that SOS situation. Well, now you have an
1: SOS situation, but when did that come into effect 3 years ago? Not even. Like we don't even have signal all over mm-hmm. the United States yet, let alone the world, let alone out in sea. Mm-hmm. But yet we're up there in 1969. Saying, yeah, this is live broadcasted. Yeah. To play devil's advocate. I do play devil's advocate. Go ahead. Okay.
0: I was just going to say, we, when I satellites, when we that satellites, but when we covered counterintelligence, however many episodes ago that was, remember the woman that worked with Cuba? She was like the head of defense for US and was overall Cuban things. And she started working for the Cuban government. They were able to, from Cuba, talk to her through a radio signal. Yeah, she wasn't on the moon. <laughs> yeah, she was on the moon. But I'm just saying, like, there, yeah, I get what you're there saying, is yeah. a way that you can do, like, radio frequencies. But this is, like, But video. still, like, there's no, like, the video makes no sense. If they would come out and be like, okay. and And this is my other pet peeve with the video.
1: Mm-hmm. I know that we probably did have remote controls back then for cameras. But that's how they took their pictures. Where's our, why can't we find the fucking remote for our camera? <laughs> it's 2023, but
0: yet Neil Armstrong's up on the moon using his selfie stick. With his fucking tripod. We're over here having to stand up and press the iPad every time we want to stop, stop, and, stop, and, stop and, start and start our fucking video. Yeah. Anyway, so broadcasting is a big issue. And then the third one is
1: that the odds of a mission going, I will not want to say this mission went well, but like. <laughs> The mission was a success. Yeah. All three astronauts, they landed, they collected their sample, all three astronauts did return home safely. They did knock over the flag. But the odds of this happening are so slim to none. Like we were able to run this all down. We were able to join this orbit, then that orbit, then slingshot around to this other orbit and then on the moon, but almost run out of fuel. But when it's time to leave, we're good on fuel again. Slingshot our asses back, have an almost perfect entry back to the earth. Nail our landing 13 miles from our rescue ship. Oops, it's upside down. Boom, we're right side up in the middle of the ocean. Yeah, like that. It's is odd. just like Come on. Yeah. Like, come on now a little bit. It's just logistics that all went just a little too well. Right. But I do have some proof that we did land on the moon in 1969. Okay, Because they returned 840 pounds of moon rock. And many geologists have actually are able to request samples of this moon Mm. rock. For their own research, can't speak <laughs> moonwalk, and they get the moonwalk, <laughs> and they get access to these rocks, and then they'll publish a results. So, like, unless you can conjure up like thousands of geologists to get in on your con with you, like that's just so unlikely. Right? And, like, they have been exposed to you know lasers and mass spectrometers, like just like crazy science things that like they would know if this is not if this was fake from
0: Earth, right? Or from the
1: moon. So the results that consistently are demonstrating the rocks formed in this airless and waterless environment or unlike anything on Earth. Like these rocks, you can't find them here. Mm-hmm. And they have spent billions of years just directly exposed to sun. Yeah. Direct sun. And then the other reason is that objects were actually left behind on the moon mirrors, for example. And we use these mirrors today to bounce lasers off to measure distance. I didn't know that. Wow. So they're also got their selfie sticks,
0: but they're also <laughs> like, hey, drop that mirror right there. We d- <laughs> Wait, does this does this angle make me look fat? You know that they, <laughs> they had, had it that. behind the fucking broadcast. <laughs> the same reason why we set up the video camera. Yep. Gotta check it. Gotta check it. And you know that make they, sure the they, they probably right. took the original mirror selfie outside. 100%. That, you know how everyone d- did that, yeah. what, 2020? Yeah, it was Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldridge. I would love Aldrin. to see if they have any selfies from this trip. <laughs> me too. <laughs>
1: And then robotic like lunar orbiters, they've actually photographed these materials and other Apollo missions have confirmed that they are there. So technically they are there. Okay, I have a dumb question really quickly. Okay, I might have an answer, I might not.
0: If there's no wind on the moon, does the moon dust ever move or is it just stagnant? I'm assuming like it's not going to be reactive unless the force acts upon it. Like Newton's law of physics, but... So like only if something slams into it. I would guess. So those mirrors... Aren't dirty,
1: yeah. Also, why haven't we ever seen an asteroid hit the moon and like
0: throw dust everywhere? I'm sure it does all the time, and we just all very collectively yeah like did they, ignore did the that mirrors shit. Get
1: to stay like I'm sure there's like space dust.
0: Oh yeah, when I mean there space has to debris. be debris. There's got to be something like I you, mean there's a fly out there somewhere, right? Like we have meteor shower, meteorite showers, and yeah, shit like that. There's I got like there's got to be something that's like. Fucked it up, at least. I'm sure when, yeah. they, when they've when they gone back, they've cleaned it. But that was what, like you said, 17, 1970, 17 1975, 76? 69. 69 was the last one. Oh, 72. 72. It's been however many years that is. Almost, right. wait, 50 years last year. Yeah. And still.
1: Yeah, I don't fucking know. I wonder. Another debunk of why this is not a good conspiracy theory, that it's fake, is because others were watching. If a signal that the entire Earth was watching was really bouncing off Hollywood or Area 51, like people claim they think it was filmed, and not the moon, this would leave plenty of opportunity for other countries, like the Soviet Union, who was probably pissed the fuck off in Mm -hmm. this moment, to pick up that signal. Right. And then, of course, there's the risk of faking it. So many people involved, government officials, the president, NASA, everyone in the chain of command, down to the astronauts. How would they, crazy, would they all have to be to go along with this giant charade? Like, how much money could they really pay someone off? And to count on that many people to hold the secret? Yeah, you can't. Like, I just don't know. But a lot of people come up with this conclusion. And I think that this is what I'm leaning towards the most. The moon landing video, yes, was fake. But the moon landing itself was real. Mm -hmm. And that they had to this is me going little cray cray, but I feel like maybe they like couldn't show you what it really looked like or they saw something Mm -hmm. or they just wanted to act like they were on, they took video on the moon, but they never fucking did. You know, like I do think they went there because so many people saw them blast off. So many people landed in the ocean
0: like they have the stories mm-hmm. that I mean well that and like you like you said you know that every other country was looking through their massive ass telescopes exactly. and seeing if we were actually up in there in space yeah
1: so I do think like the video doesn't make sense and a lot of people also claim that like there's no stars how many stars do you see in the night sky and you can't see any in this video I forget the explanation for that but
0: yeah and and like I saw a and video it looks the like literally cardboard box <laughs> well that and I saw a video the other day being like look at this like, pattern that's Mm -hmm. of what you can see in the sky. But then again, like, sometimes you can't even see stars if I took a picture on my fucking iPhone, which was probably the most expensive camera that you could ever buy back then. Probably wasn't even invented. Exactly. So, like, how are we going to trust that quality? But if it wasn't filmed there, unless they had someone literally reenacting it in live time, there's really no... Yeah, it would have right. to be so incredibly a con, yeah. elaborate like
1: either like they sent an empty ship yeah. up there to do their dirty work. Mm-hmm. And they just stayed at the comfort of Earth's
0: home. Yeah. You know, I don't know. I have no idea. There's so much that like it, it's just in my opinion, like something like that. Like but, it's so hard to believe because the story is crazy. No stories, but it almost makes me believe it more. Right. Because how do you make that up? How do you make up all of that? Shit? Yeah. That is like the most real shit I've ever heard. If they were like smooth sailing the whole time, everything was Gucci. We the flag still flying. They were like it was hell. The flag fell. Like it was not as we had to use a fucking pen. He was doing math in his head, screaming at me. He took three seconds we're He's freaking on out manuals right we're popping we're literally popping drugs we're injecting <laughs> ourselves with drugs so we could chill the fuck out long enough to remember to pull this emergency break then like, we forget that we forget because i was three seconds late because i chilled out too much like seriously yeah Like I, I don't know
1: i thought it. i'd never like really known the full story so i thought it would
0: yeah be cool to share i don't really i don't know i don't know what i believe you know me and morgan for us to be like conspiracy theorists and consider everything a possibility in our opinion like it is and it isn't like it could be it might not be who knows yeah who cares but we enjoy the like (laughs) ability to To like to talk about it yeah to think that way and take our brains down that area but like at the end of the day just like how we are with anything else that we ever do what the fuck does it matter right what What does it matter what we think it happened it's in the history books we can't change it right it's hilarious it's not (laughs) not gonna be us that debunks the whole fucking moon landing Get a life.
1: Yeah. Like, well, I just spent a day researching. I'm like, mi- Meanwhile, we're literally. Get a here. fucking life if you think the moon's <laughs> landing is fake as fuck. Meanwhile, I'm the last three days. Mm-hmm. Moon landing, Neil Armstrong. <laughs>
0: does this transcript fucks up a word in the middle of it tran, tran, tran,
1: tranquility roger me
0: and you would have We're been blue like down
1: here man i'm glad y'all are alive because holy fucking shit
0: my god we would be they would have every other word beep 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 beep, beep, beep yeah, on they, this live broadcast yeah i would not be able to keep my cool do not mic me up whenever the day comes that creaks
1: <laughs> crimes can go to the moon I want a sold
0: out <laughs> Moment House production. I want I I want someone Okay, NASA if you're listening, Elon Musk, if, if you're you are listening, listening. I've got this group chat <laughs> that would be the perfect candidates for people to go into space and it be the most entertaining, chaotic, iconic clusterfuck that you could ever imagine. That you could ever imagine and it oh would my god. Top 1969, Apollo 11. 100%. Sorry, 100%. I was choking. Sorry,
1: I can't see anything. I know. We're back in the the dark room. Yeah. So anyway, I'm going to end my segment,
0: but you're up. That was and crazy, I'm turning the lights on. I really love, I love <laughs> that one. I wish we could do more like this every single day. I know. Because I was hurting at the beginning, guys. It, we're tired. No, I I, was, I didn't think I could pull this one. Yeah, but it was just so good. I just couldn't help but think of me and you <laughs> being in their shoes doing that shit. Oh, no. Fuck? no alrighty just in time for me to bring the energy down yay Let's get into (laughs) it. At noon on Saturday, December 16th, 2000, 31-year-old Denise Williams called her father because she was really worried about her husband, 31-year-old Mike Williams. She told her dad that Mike had woken up early that morning before the sun rose to go on a little solo duck hunt at one of his regular spots, Lake Seminole, which is just about an hour out of Tallahassee where they lived. This was something that Mike did very often. He grew up in the area and had been an outdoorsman since the age of 50. but He was supposed to return home before noon as he and Denise had plans to go celebrate their sixth wedding anniversary together in Apalachicola that day and night. Like they were going to have like a little staycation situation. Funny enough, that is literally where I just was. That's weird. And that's how I learned about this case. Oh, interesting. This was something that Mike and Denise were extremely excited about because this was one of their first nights out alone since their daughter Ansley was born 18 months earlier. It was unlike Mike to be late without calling Denise, especially on a day like this. Jerry Michael or Mike Williams was born and raised in Bradfordville, which is just an hour north of Tallahassee with his brother Nick. Their father was a Greyhound bus driver and their mother, Cheryl, worked at a daycare that was in their home. So she ran a daycare out of the home. The two of them, the parents, saved all of their money working their asses off odd jobs, night shifts, doing whatever they could just so they could send their sons to North Florida Christian High School and secure their future. There, Mike thrived. He played football, was in so many clubs. He had amazing grades and was loved by so many, like so much so that he was a student council president. Oh, slay. Slay. At the age of 15, Mike took up duck hunting and fishing. It was super relaxing for him and something that he loved to do with his family and his best friend, Brian. These two, Brian and Mike, were more like brothers and sons to each other's parents. Absolutely inseparable. Ever since they met, they did everything together. Even dating. Brian and Mike began dating two best friends, Denise and Kathy. They all graduated high school together. They all went to FSU for college. They all graduated FSU. They all got married. They all bought homes near each other and had children around the same time. They would go on double dates, all the things. That's cute. They were so tight. Denise and Mike got married in 1994, and Mike worked as a property appraiser for Ketchum Appraisal Group, where he made $200,000 a year. He was making amazing money, and all of his co-workers and bosses referred to Mike as the hardest working man that they had ever met. Aww. He was always kind, driven, and willing to stay overtime as many nights as he needed. Bucky? Bucky? <laughs> In 1999, Mike and Denise welcomed their daughter, Ansley, and she was Mike's entire world mike would leave work at lunch just to go home and cook lunch for denise or just watch ansley so that denise could take a nap or shower do what she needed to we love that after work he would go to the grocery store get cooking stuff rush home cook dinner for him and his family eat with denise and their daughter lay the daughter down to go to sleep and then go back to work to finish what he needed to after cleaning up doing the dishes Wow. Come back home, hang out for a bit, go to bed. He was an amazing father, husband, son, worker, and a servant to his community. In fact, he had even volunteered that December to go work for the Salvation Army outside of Walmart collecting donations. Incredible human being. In the year 2000, Mike lost his father, and though he was crushed, it just made him realize how precious life was and how short their time on earth is. He and Denise talked at length about their lives and their family. They decided that they were ready to start trying for a second child, planning trips that they would only dream of with their friends and family to Hawaii, Jamaica, out of the country, all the things, and maybe even move to a different location so that that way he can climb up his career ladder. Mike was so incredibly talented, punctual, kind, and driven. He knew he could continue to climb that corporate ladder in his career and make his family wealthy for all of time. Though it was stressful sometimes, he always knew when to make time for himself and help clear his head. Not on anyone else's watch other than his own. Mike would wake up way early, like three in the morning, to go fishing or hunting before Denise and their daughter woke up, only to return with coffee and breakfast, spend time with his daughter and his wife before going to work. Wow. Mike had his life schedule well defined and organized, which is why it was so incredibly concerning to everyone that he had not returned home when he said he would be there. I am really unclear about this exact timeline, but from what I can piece together in the various reportings on this case, either Denise's father went to go look for Mike at his regular spots and couldn't find him or Denise's father just immediately called and reported his disappearance or possible accident to the Florida Fish and Wildlife Conservation Commission as they handled all cases like this in the area because of how large it is. Lake Seminole is 30,000 acres. 30,000 acres. That's a large chunk. That sits at the Georgia-Florida state line and is the meeting points of the Chattahoochee River and the Flint River. Because of this large area and the urgency of a skilled hunter slash outdoorsman going missing, a search was immediately launched within hours of receiving this call. Hundreds of searchers, volunteers, Mike's friends and family, first responders, search and rescue went out on foot, air, and water with canine units at the direction of the FFWCC. They quickly discovered Mike's Bronco parked in the area of the lake that was called Stump Field because it used to be an orchard, so the remaining tree stumps filled the water. Brian Winchester, who is Mike's best friend since high school, and Brian's father, who truly thought of Mike like his other son, were some of the first to arrive at the search with Nick and Cheryl, who is Mike's brother and mom, and the very last to leave that night. After finding Mike's bronco, the search was focused on a 10-acre area, which is the surrounding area of Stumpfield. Eventually, the helicopters were forced to land, and many searchers had to leave because of this really large cold front that rolled in with storms and high winds. Brian and his father pushed on, though, and they spotted something on the west shoreline of Stumpfield. It was Brian's boat. Inside, investigators found Mike's shotgun still in its case, all of his decoys, his boots. And though the engine was off, it was like switched on. Like the key was in it? Yeah, the key was in it. But it looked as if it had run out of gas. However, there was no sign of Mike, his waders, his jacket, or his hat that he wore every time he went duck hunting. Because of these discoveries in the history of stump field, investigators and searchers quickly began to speculate that Mike had hit a stump because it was so dark out when he went, was thrown into the water, And because he was wearing waders, it drug him down into the lake. Even though the deepest part of this lake was only 8 to 12 feet, waders, if they fill with water, they suction cup you and pull you down and you cannot remove them. Like I said, it was stormy and cold out. Therefore, the water temperature had dropped drastically. And this meant that it would likely take a really long time for his body to surface. So typically... And it's so
1: big, they can't sweep that. Right.
0: And typically, this would be a three to seven day event if it was typical weather, but now it's looking more like a seven to a 14 day time for his body to float up. Meaning the search quickly turned into a recovery. Four days, divers searched the stump field. Going underwater, looking for any sign of Mike, using prods to poke around the bottom of the lake for a body, searching with sonar, everything that they could. A week goes by and there was still no sign of Mike's remains, which led investigators and the public to believe that he was eaten by alligators after drowning. Just during the first night of the search, 20 alligators had been spotted in the area that Mike's belongings were discovered. And this would definitely not be the first time that this happened. Despite all of this, the search for any remains continued. On the 10th day of the search, a camo hunting hat was discovered on the side of the lake in the tall grass that was determined to be Mike's, further supporting the theory that he had drowned and been eaten. It was just alarming that none of his clothes or remains had yet to be discovered, not even a piece of fabric. By February 2001, the search was called off officially. However, the case was still considered open and active. They could not definitely say that Mike had been in a boating accident and died, as there was really no sign of the boat hitting anything or really anything to prove this theory, which led to many questions swarming about if Mike was truly dead. What I mean by this is that people wondered if Mike had just decided to walk away from his life, leaving everything behind and staging his own death. This was shot down by almost every single person that knew Mike. Yeah, I find that hard to believe from what I know of him. Right, but it did still sit in the back of their minds because you almost want to have that hope Right, that he would be alive and okay. Everyone knew that Mike was having a really hard time after his dad passed. He was getting a little uncomfortable with life, like we had talked before about like wanting to move, wanting to have another child, growing his career. But there's no reason in any of these things I just listed that he would walk away leaving Ansley and Denise behind. I mean, Bro was coming home from lunch, going back to work, cooking dinner, right. just you know Do doing all these them. things. He loved them. He would never just... Disappear on them. They were his entire world and he would have definitely had told something to Brian or Nick, his best friend and brother. He would just never leave. They knew that. Investigators explored this theory, but there was not a single thing that they could find to suggest that there was any validity to it. If Mike Williams would have been thrown from the boat and drowned, he would be the only hunter or fisherman that's body was never recovered from Lake Seminole in history. And one of the 80 other unknown deaths of like someone that wasn't an outdoorsman, a car crash, murdered, so on and so forth in the lake that was never found. So no other hunter, outdoorsman, person, fisherman has not been discovered. And then there's only 80 people that are, have been known to go missing in this area that were not found. And he's one of those. It's a
1: small number.
0: Right. Actually. And, and
1: unfortunately, that's a
0: small number. That even is. Even though it does
1: seem like a large number. Well, that's number. history,
0: though. Like yeah. we're talking about known history. Mm-hmm. Only 80. This was bizarre. And nothing added up. Six months after Mike's disappearance, a massive discovery was made in Stump Field. A fisherman had been out one June morning when he saw something floating on the water. The closer he got, he realized it was a pair of waders. Knowing about Mike's disappearance, because everyone knew about it, he immediately called investigators from the FFWCC. Divers were immediately brought to the area to search once again. From the bottom of the lake, they also recovered a lightweight hunting jacket and a flashlight. The flashlight still worked. Inside of the hunting jacket's pocket, they discovered a hunting license. These items belonged to Mike Williams. Quickly, these items were sent off for testing because at first glance, something was not right. Just by looking at them, there were no signs of damage to them at all, like the alligator theory would suggest. Those who supported this theory believed that Mike's body had been tangled up in the dense beds of hydrilla, hydrea, on the lake's floor, which would have held him in place as turtles, catfish, and alligators ate at his remains, therefore not allowing his body to ever actually surface. But like I said, there was no damage to any of these things at all. And the flashlight still working is weird. Mm -hmm. No turtle bites, no alligator markings, nothing. And these items did not look as if they had been submerged in swampy water for six months. Months Testing found that the water inside of the waders did not line up with the timeline of Mike's disappearance, and there was no decomp or DNA evidence on them to suggest at all that Mike had died in these clothes. Further adding to this mystery, because this discovery felt and forensically seemed staged. Right. Completely staged staged. Despite all of this, though, this was the only theory that made sense and had even somewhat of a foundation. Everyone knew that he had not run away. There was really no sign of foul play that anyone noticed or thought of. And what else would have happened to an experienced outdoorsman on a solo morning hunt? But that's just the thing. Mike never went hunting alone. He always took a buddy with him. So there had to be someone with him that day. All of his regular buddies had alibis that were rock solid. Denise was at home with Ansley plus she would never go hunting with him ever it's just she was there. She's Ann. yeah. A- exactly and there's proof that she was there because she was on the phone with her sister which she did every morning, her friend her neighbor, so on and so forth Nick, Mike's brother who would go with him often was with his family that entire morning Mike's father had passed away months before. Brian, his best friend, was scheduled to go fishing that morning with his father-in-law but he and his wife Kathy had gone to a concert the night before so they slept in because they were so far fucking over, they could not get up and they went and got, you know, breakfast together when they were up. Denise's father was at home with his wife and had been on the phone and talking in the yard with his neighbors and friends that morning. And then Mike's boss slash close friend, Clay Ketchum, and his wife were at home the entire morning together until they received the call. Other than these people, a few random acquaintances were checked out and they were cleared. But no one knew who would have been with Mike that morning and no one else seemed to have been in Stumpfield that day. Like no one came forward. So it's someone nobody knows. Exactly. Everyone mourned the loss of Mike, even more so than not knowing of where he was and what really happened. They were forced to set and consider these theories that just did not sit right with anyone. A week after Mike's waiters were found, along with the other clothing items, he was legally declared dead based on the assumption that he was thrown from the boat and then eaten by wildlife, officially closing his case. Though it seemed far-fetched based on the forensic evidence that was found, it was still possible and had been the case before. Even in his absence, Mike continued to be able to take care of his Denise and Ansley, leaving them behind $1.7 million worth of insurance policies, which Denise claimed within days of his official death being declared as she had not worked in her career as a CPA since well before Ansley's birth. Once Ansley was old enough to be watched by daycare or family and friends and Denise got her bearings after losing her husband, Denise went back to work, taking a job at their alma mater, FSU, as an accountant and continuing to raise her and Mike's daughter in the house that he bought for her to grow up in. Memorials were held for Mike and things seemed to fizzle out with the investigation. Life was slowly going back to whatever Mike's friends and families could call their new normal. But there was this small part of everyone that knew this was not the end of Mike's story. And that itch... That burn made it to where Mike's mother, Cheryl, could not accept this outcome. She needed to know what happened to her son. Cheryl went out to Stumpfield just after Mike was legally declared dead. And she just sat there, praying for answers, praying for a sign, just trying to feel her son. For the first time in her entire life, she could not feel Mike. He was not in that water. He may not be alive, but he was for sure not there. Cheryl knew this. She could feel it. So she did what every mother does. She fought for her child. Good shit, Cheryl. If no one else would investigate the oddities in Mike's case and search for a true answer, Cheryl would. She continued running her daycare out of her home, even at her age, taking as many children as she could so that she could fund her own private investigation. Craft Time for the Kids was dedicated to making missing persons flyers that the children would color in. Sundays were no longer for Cheryl to sit in church pews, but instead to stand outside the church stairs with posters asking for help in her son's case. Cheryl spent all of the money that she had to buy billboards for Mike, $12,000 ad spots in the Tallahassee Democrat paper that started with the quote, I have not seen my son Mike since December 16th, 2000. Would you please take the time to read this and help me figure out what happened to my son, Mike Williams, at Lake Seminole. People called Cheryl crazy, saying that she was just in denial and needed to accept the fact that her son had just died in a tragic accident. But Cheryl did not. She filled up hundreds and hundreds of notebooks and files tracing down every single lead that she could about her son's disappearance. And she would hand over copies of every single one of these to the Florida Department of Law Enforcement or the FDLE, starting with the alligator theory. But before I go here, I just want to also add this in. I was watching the Dateline on this and Cheryl was being interviewed on there. She was like, I couldn't sit in church anymore because I was just mad. I just Mm -hmm. wanted someone to help me. So I went outside and the pastors were telling her to Get off to leave. The fuck? What the fuck? Godly. That's very yeah, godly. That's very him. godly of you. Going back to the alligator theory and what Cheryl found. Cheryl reached out to every and any wildlife and reptile specialist that she could find to learn more about the wildlife in this area and their habits around the time that Mike went missing. And what she learned further supported her belief that her son was not where they say he is, in stump field. According to Cheryl's extensive research, alligators do not typically feed in the winter months due to the cold temperatures, which force them to focus on maintaining all of their energy to keep their body temp, similar to hibernation. Once the water is too cold, alligators can't even break down food. Therefore, they are not hungry, they have no appetite, and the alligators that are in this specific area are not large enough to eat the body of an adult man that is 5'10 and 170 pounds. time that Mike had gone missing, the average temperatures during the day were a high of 55 and a low of 46. At night, these temperatures would bottom out to maybe 19 degrees. Like, it was cold. Well, that cold front that rolled in on the first night of the search for Mike brought even colder temperatures, which caused 20 feet of lake from the shore to freeze. Hmm. And that same cold front carried high winds and storms, further breaking apart this theory because after consulting with many meteorologists and storm pattern experts, Cheryl learned that these winds were blowing east. Yet, Mike's boat was discovered on the west shore of the lake. The way that this was explained away initially by the first investigation was that the boat had run itself ashore. This boat that he was in would have not been able to beeline to the shore, especially because of all the stumps that were in the water and the boat that Mike had. So the only way that you could explain this is if someone had drugged that boat ashore. But Mike would not have been able to do this. He had no reason to. And there was no sign that he was ever over there. Now, what if I told you that when the boat was found, the gas tank was completely full? What the fuck? One hundred percent full. Like, just put in the water. We know it's impossible that the wind could have blown the boat to the West Shore. Right. Because it was going east. It was going east. Hardcore. Big winds. Florida winds. It's going to the East Shore. This makes no fucking sense. Cheryl used All of this, all of her research, all of her proof that there was that she had collected to prove that there was more to Mike's disappearance. Because of Cheryl's work and the evidence that she had collected in 2004, around the four year anniversary of Mike's disappearance, the FDLE, which is the Florida Department of Law Enforcement, agreed to reopen the case. But this did not sit well with a few people, specifically Denise, Mike's wife. Denise was really angry at Cheryl, saying that she was just in denial and that she was causing Ansley, her daughter, a lot of confusion about what happened to her father by saying that it's a lie. And I and I get that. I get that. I get that from like a I'm just like recovering. Right. And I'm just, just trying to get life. And I'm
1: trying to move back in. He's Explain not this to back. my daughter. And it's, it's not
0: being dry. It's constantly.
1: And you know, that's probably all Cheryl would talk about. Anytime. Right. Like, I get that.
0: I get it, too. And so she's like, I don't want you to bring this up. You're making this a lot worse on Ansley. Like, she's four now. She, or five now. Like, she can understand the story of what happened. Like, we need to protect her from this. Denise was extremely against Cheryl pushing for a criminal investigation to take place as it would prolong their pain and hinder her daughter. But Denise felt that... It was mainly an invasion of her privacy. She had stayed out of the media this entire case in order to grieve, as the spotlight was just too much for her to handle on top of the loss of her husband and her co-parent while trying to figure out how to be a mom and move forward with this. It got so heated between Denise and Cheryl that Denise actually threatened Cheryl, saying that if she went forward with this criminal investigation, she would never see Ansley again. This broke Cheryl, the thought of losing the only piece of her son that she had left, but she knew that she would have to take that risk to make sure that the truth comes to light. And And I get that too. I get that too. And Denise stayed true to her words. Mike's family was no longer allowed to have any contact with Ansley, saying that they were dangerous and crazy. This fueled Cheryl's fire even more though, because she had long felt that Denise was hiding something, and now she was in the fight for not only Mike, but Ansley. Mike's daughter deserved to know the truth about her father. The FDLE investigators further debunked the alligator theory, along with the idea that Mike had run away from his life and the odd placement of his boat. This was nothing new, though. Investigators had felt this all along, but never had the evidence to back up this feeling enough to publicly address it or act on it. Everyone involved in this case truly felt that Mike's truth would eventually come out, but it would be a waiting game. And after two years of reinvestigating, that is exactly where the FDLE landed in their investigation once again nothing had been preserved from the crime scene as they were not investigating it as a crime. It was completely botched, contaminated. Nothing was saved because originally it was a search and rescue mission. They had no physical evidence, no crime scene photos of potential footprints in the mud, fingerprints on the boat, or even tire trucks around Mike's Bronco. Everything had already been returned to the family years ago. And again, they were just going to have to wait it out. The FDLE and the Jackson County Sheriff's Department ultimately had nowhere to go. So in 2006, they reclassified Mike as a suspicious missing person and kept the case open as they had some persons of interest that they never publicly named. But everyone knew who they were talking about, Denise and her new husband who just so happened to be the same man that sold Mike his $1.7 million worth of insurance policies. I knew that was gonna come back into play. And someone that Mike knew very well, Brian Winchester, Mike's best friend since high school. Between- Oh my God. Between the time Of Mike's disappearance and Denise and Brian's marriage in 2005, Denise had publicly dated a few other men, and Brian's marriage to Kathy had fallen apart. They told everyone that they knew it didn't look good, but they had fallen in love while holding each other and helping each other rebuild their lives after losing Mike. Brian promptly moved into Denise and Ansley's home, the same home that Mike had bought years and years before to allow Ansley to grow up in it and assumed the role of Ansley's father. Oh, wow. Okay. This did not sit right with anyone. Mm -hmm. Especially. Cheryl. Investigators. Investigators, too. But because they were married, out of nowhere, too, they, like, didn't publicly come out dating before they got married. They got married. Because they're married, they're protected by spousal law, a.k.a. you cannot be forced to testify against your spouse in the court of law. So, once again, this waiting game got way longer overnight. And the case that investigators had about Mike's disappearance being suspicious just continued to grow and grow and grow. Cheryl did not want to play the waiting game though. And she had the media's attention now as Denise and Brian were the talk of the town and the police were now in her corner. For years, Cheryl published those ads, collected more evidence, spoke with any law enforcement agency that she could with the help of her son, Nick. They were gaining traction, and investigators were waiting for a huge break. Starting on New Year's Day in 2012, Cheryl began writing a letter a day to the Florida governor at the time, Rick Scott, asking for a special prosecutor to be assigned to Mike's case, sending these letters every single day. She did not receive a response for 200 days, only to learn on her 200th letter that the governor's office had forwarded all of her letters without opening them to the FDLE. Damn. Punch in the fucking face. Yeah. The Investigation Discovery show Disappeared, featured Mike's case at Cheryl's lead to help give her more media attention and traction, which further aided in the break that investigators were waiting for. There is only so much pressure that people can take and Cheryl, she would not let up. She went harder and harder. And seven years later, her dedication paid off when it all boiled over in a way that no one was expecting. This is where the case of Mike Williams crosses over with a kidnapping that blows his case wide open, which we are going to cover next week on episode <gasps> no, 143. No, 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 no. I know. I'm really fucking sorry. This is a two parter, but there's just like so many layers and details to this case that if I did it right now, it was going to take me two fucking hours and I could not give it to you in one single episode, which I don't have the time to do two hour episodes right now. I can't even begin to wrap my head around how a kidnapping could intertwine with this. Dude, when I was in this area, right, I hear about this fucking case. I'm like, I'm sorry. What the fuck? What are you talking about? How did we get from a hunter being in an accident to kidnapping, murder, weird holy shit. shit, wife marrying your best friend type shit? Yeah. Yeah. Wait, I feel bad because I was really defensive of her and Mr. Brian. I'm so glad you were. That's what I wanted to do. Hate that. I know.
1: I am ready for next week.
0: Yeah. Okay. Sorry, guys. I'm so I'm really fucking sorry. But it was either that or Pride But It's merch. like it's
1: like. Hardly like a two-parter though, you know, yeah, like, yeah, this case we don't get our answers, but, like it's like two technically two cases.
0: cases, so it's okay, yeah. it's like two different cases that you have to see flow together, or else it's not. And the detail that I had in this, I know you're probably like, okay, we well, didn't need all the detail about like how everyone felt. Yes, you did. Yeah, you did.
1: Trust me, you did. All right, fine. Maybe I'll do a two-part uh, Apollo 14. <laughs> oh, Apollo.
0: Apollo. Apollo. R- Ralph Lauren Polo. The Doyle rules. <laughs> 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 okay, guys. Well, happy uh, episode 142. Who knows? Yeah, 142. Next week is 143. Happy episode 142. Don't forget to go get your Pride merch. <gasps> We're obsessed with it. We just launched it today, but not the day that it actually launched, like the day that it actually not launched, not the day that you're listening to this. Yeah. Yeah. We're a little weak. We're like, we're like like a little early. Yeah. You know how like when shit just goes haywire and like your day flips upside fucking down? That was today starting at 7 Mm a.m. Yeah. Me and Morgan have been running like chickens with our heads. I don't even want to know what time it is. Yeah. Okay. Love you. It's 10 o'clock at
1: night. Goodbye. Oh my God. Love you. Goodbye.